Welcome back to the Get Me Ready to Sell podcast. I'm your host, Jeff Jones, an EXP real estate agent, and today we're going to be talking about what buyers are looking for. If you're thinking about selling your home, you need to get inside the mind of the buyer. What is it they want? Does your home have it? Could your home have it? In our first episode, we talked about 10 tips for you as a home seller to consider. Now, the first three we talked about, which is what we're going to be making the bulk of our podcast about, is that you need to prepare it, price it, and promote it. Prepare your home, price your home, and promote your home. And we'll get into a lot more depth with all of those over the next several weeks. But thinking about getting ready to sell means you need to think like a buyer. What is it they're looking for? Well, today we're going to dive into that. Let's get started. Are you feeling uncertain about selling your home? Do you wonder what needs to be done to get it sold, what you could sell it for, and how to get an acceptable offer? If that's the case, then Get Me Ready to Sell is the podcast just for you. Your host, Jeff Jones, is a realtor coach and entrepreneur, and he can help you gain the confidence you deserve to successfully sell your home. Here's Jeff. One of the things that buyers are looking for is location. It's said that there's only three things that matter when it comes to real estate. Location, location, location. Of course, location is a big deal. The thing about your property is that you can't pick it up and move it anywhere else. It is where it is. Your property is a unique piece of property. You could build an identical home to yours that's the exact same age, so they're built at the exact same time, 200 feet away, and they would still be unique properties because yours is right here and that one is right there. They're unique. There is not another one like it, but you're stuck with your location. So what is it buyers are looking for when it comes to location? Well, one of the things I always get asked about a house when we're looking for homes is, is this home near good schools? Well, what are good schools? How do you define good schools? How does that buyer define good schools? I can't decide for that buyer what's a good school or what's a bad school because I might have different criteria from that. Another thing is that the Realtor Code of Ethics prevents me from steering people into one neighborhood or out of another neighborhood based on my thoughts about schools. And another thing that comes up all the time is crime. It doesn't matter what I know about the schools. It doesn't matter what I know about crime. It's not my opinion or it's not about what I know, but it's about what they can find for themselves. I can point them in directions. I tell folks that are looking for schools, a great resource to check out is a website that's called greatschools.org. You can put in your location, the ages of the kids that you're looking for to go into school, and it'll give you lots of criteria about those schools. But a good school is up to the definition of the person who's looking for the school. Not up to me. It's not up to you. It's up to them. I already mentioned crime. People want to know about crime. You know, <laughs> you can live in a gated community that with 24-7 security, if criminals want to take advantage of you in a situation like that, they're going to. You can't stop that. Hey, there's a great website that's in the show notes and the links below that gives you seven different sites that you can go to about crime in your neighborhood. FBI Crime Database, Area Vibes, The Neighbors App, Family Watchdog, City Project, Spot Crime, and Life360. I haven't checked all of these sites out, but this is one source where you can look up to see what's going on with crime in an area. And even though you live there, 
you might want to know what is it that potential buyers are seeing when they look at that data. Again, you can't change it, but you might want to be better prepared because it might have an impact on negotiations on getting your home sold. So just be aware of those things. Buyers are also looking for homes that are possibly convenient to transportation, depending on do they want to be near an interstate? Do they want to be off the beaten path? I love where I live. I live about a quarter of a mile from a very busy street, one direction, a mile from another very busy street in another direction where they intersect a little over a mile away from here. But I am on some land uh, we've got five acres kind of uh, in a quiet area, but I'm convenient to everything. I've got friends that love to live deep back in a subdivision that you have to drive, you know, three minutes off the major road to even get to where they are. And others want to be right there in the midst of everything. So you can't change that location, but you need to know that buyers are looking for that location and transportation might be one of those issues. Do they have to commute to work? And so they want quick, easy access to transportation. Buyers are also interested about economic development. We're going to talk about this at the end, but resale. What's going on in the community that might impact their ability to sell the house in the future? Is there hope for them to have jobs in the future? Is there growth in the area or is it declining? They're also going to want to know about taxes. Where I live, I pay a county tax and a city tax. I've got friends that live in a part of the county, and so where my taxes may be you know, close to $3,000, their taxes may only be $1,500. Well, that impacts the amount of money. I spend every month because that extra $1,500 in taxes, that's $125 more per month that I pay to live where I live. That's my location. Buyers are also concerned about HOA fees and those are annual fees, but many of them have options for assessed fees if they have to get fence replaced or if they have to replace gates or if it's a gated community, they have to take care of the roads and the asphalt, all those things. So there are extra fees involved and location of the home determines that. Another thing about the location is the age of the home. Is it in a new subdivision or is it an older subdivision? Are there mature trees and landscapes? or is it all just completely cleared land with houses and little bitty trees that are out there? Those are some factors that buyers are concerned about when they think about location. Again, you can't change those things. However, you can be aware of them so that it enables you to be better prepared to deal with offers that come in. So we talked about location. Number two thing that buyers are looking for is a price that works for them. Obviously, if they're considering your home, hopefully it's a price that works for them and they're not going to waste your time and whoever's representing you their time and having people come look at a house that they can't actually pay for. But a price that works for them because this is a significant financial investment. It is likely the greatest financial purchase that they'll ever make. So they want to make sure they get a price that works for them. They're going to have this mortgage payment for years. Could be 15 years. It could be 30 years. I have a 30-year mortgage and I am seven and a half years into that 30-year mortgage. They're going to be having to make that payment every month. Everybody seems to have a limited budget. You know, I haven't won a lottery. Maybe you have. If you have, great or you've hit it big, an investment strategy, or maybe you launched a business, whatever. But many people are going to be on those limited budgets and they're going to have those mortgages for years. And the price that works for them also includes their thoughts about resale. There, I've mentioned it. Resale is going to be an aspect of every one of these topics we talk about. And like I said, I'm going to wrap it up at the end talking about resale. And also the price of the home has an impact on their down payment, 
if they're putting down three or three and a half percent or more, you know, a $300,000 house at a 3% down payment is $9,000. A $400,000 house is going to be $12,000. How much cash do they have? It's not just about how much their payment can be, but how much cash do they have to get into the home and their closing costs. Their closing costs are going to include taxes, going to be some insurance. A more expensive home is going to have, tends to have higher homeowners insurance that they're going to be paying for more than likely a year up front. Um, don't know about your specific market, but that's what happens where I am. They're paying for a year up front. That has an impact on it as well. And then they're also thinking about if they're getting a mortgage on it, they're going to have a loan origination fee from the lender. And that's a percentage of the loan. They're borrowing more money. They're going to be paying more for a loan origination fee. All those factors come into price. It's not just about their monthly payment of principal and interest. They have to think about all these other things as well. The reason this is important to you is you need to be aware of it in the negotiation phase. You need to be prepared to have a conversation with whoever you're selling the house with about whatever you can do to help make it appealing to a buyer because you can't control the location and you have some control over price, but you have an amount you want to get out of it. Just know that price could become a sticking point when it comes to getting an accepted offer and getting it closed. Hey, number three, the condition of the home. They're thinking about what am I going to have to spend to fix it up? What are future expenses going to be on the property? And if you're talking about an HVAC system, your heat and air conditioning system, one system could cost $10,000 and it lasts about 15 years. If you bought a new home 15 to 20 years ago and you have the same system in your home and you're selling it now, well, a buyer is gonna be concerned with the age of that HVAC. It may work perfectly fine. However, they're gonna be concerned about it, potentially. A plumbing system, if you have a sewer line or a septic tank go in, there could be some expense there. The water lines, how about the roof? A typical roof lasts 20 to 30 years depending on the type of shingles. If it's just or whatever the roof covering is, shingles, metal, whatever. There are some shingles that are supposed to have a 50-year lifespan. Probably not going to last that long, but that's what they're rated for. Again, if you bought a brand new home 20 years ago and you're selling it now and it's just got normal shingles on it, it's about the end of the lifespan of a roof. And a roof can be expensive. I've got a seller getting a house ready and it's a larger home. There's about 6,000 square feet under roof, including the garage. And a new roof was quoted for $35,000. It's going to be expensive. Let me give you a personal example from me. My wife and I bought our home in the fall of 2015. Now, it was an older home. It had been vacant for a year. The family that lived here, the husband had died several years before. The wife had died the year before. They were older, not in great health. The house was not in great condition. Sound but needed some updating and some modernization done to it. So I undertook the task. Yes, moved walls, built cabinets, all kinds of things in the house. And my wife and I spent probably, I don't know, $30,000 from the fall of 2015 to the summer of 2016. Total brand new house on the inside. Well, that included, you know, a new water lines, tankless water heater, which we love. We got the shower that we wanted, just lots of fun. We got a deck out back, all kinds of things. Now, what I didn't plan for was that Thanksgiving. We bought the house in September 2015. Thanksgiving of 2016, we're having plumbing issues with our toilets and our showers and our tub. Turns out, we have a septic tank, which I knew about, but it was an older septic tank that was 20-something years old. It was put in when the house was built. So the lines that go out into our large front yard 
had collapsed. What it was going to cost us to have somebody run a camera through that to find where it was and repair it was more than it was going to cost for me to put a brand new water treatment plant in. Treatment plant's a little bit different septic tanks, but we're not going to get into that today. Anyway, right before Christmas, it's Thanksgiving, and I had $4,000 I had to spend on putting in a new treatment plant. Yes, that was not fun. Fast forward a couple of years, Christmas 2019. We've had a leak in our front yard all summer long. I wasn't sure what it was. Finally discovered it was the water line on my side of the meter. So I go to the local big box store. I rent me a small backhoe digger with a bucket on the front of it. I actually got a trencher, dug a trench. Then I used the backhoe and the bucket and stuff because I had to dig up right in front of our house to find where the water line went into the house and repair all that. I know it's probably, you know, $1,500 or so uh, expense, but it was three days of my work with a yard torn up. I mean, I was out there working two days before Christmas trying to get this done. We had family coming over for Christmas, so I had to get it finished. Then the fall, the summer of 2020, yes, COVID had hit. The summer of 2020, I realized our heater is not working properly toward the end of the cool weather. Limped along all summer long, finally got my home warranty people involved, and in September, we got a brand new heater. Now that would have cost me about five grand if I'd had to pay for that heater by myself. Then we have a large half circle driveway that's asphalt. If you don't know about asphalt, asphalt needs to be sealed every couple of years so water doesn't permeate. Well, we've lived here since 2015. It's 2022, seven years. We've never had it sealed. Actually, I had it sealed. I forgot. Actually, I did have it sealed at Christmas of 2021. The guy came by and he said, hey, I've got some stuff to get rid of. I'll just give it to you at my labor cost if you'll let me do that. So he sealed it. Thought it would get me through. Then this past summer, I actually had somebody come and do a little more than half of the driveway because we're going to be building my mom a house and I, don't want, I didn't want to put new asphalt down on the side that we're going to have big trucks and stuff coming in on. Anyway, $8,000 to put a new top coating on about two inches of asphalt on there. So in um, seven years, that's $17,000, not counting rehab that we had to do and all the other stuff. But we knew that going into it. Buyers know that going into it. HGTV and other TV shows have buyers convinced they can fix everything. But the condition of the home might be a factor. Uh, for instance, in our house, before we closed on it, there was a light dangling from the ceiling in the kitchen. And the appraiser wanted that to be fixed before they would loan money on the property. I told them that we were pretty much gutting the kitchen anyway and could they do something about that so they adjusted the price down and took off that requirement so that it didn't have to be fixed by the seller why have them spend money doing something that i was going to do different anyway it didn't make sense to me but the condition is important and so those future expenses are going to be something that buyers are looking at what kind of condition is your house in you may not can do everything the seller that i mentioned that had a roof quote she didn't get the roof replaced but she did get the outside and inside painted. She converted all of the lights, most of the lights inside to LEDs. And that meant we had to change out light switches because they wouldn't work with the LEDs. The age of the light switches that we had wouldn't work. They were some special fancy ones. And so we had to replace those. But what do you need to do to get your house in a condition that's going to minimize some of their future expenses that might happen sooner in the future rather than later in the future? Condition of the home also affects the quality 
quality of their living conditions. My daughters will tell you that they've lived through us working on every home that we've ever bought. For probably three months, my wife and I and our two daughters lived in the kitchen, dining room, eating kitchen, dining room, living room area together while we were gutting another part of the house. That affected our living conditions. And what about the overall value of the property? Is this a good investment? And again, good is in the eye of the buyer. It's what they determine to be good. You may think it's great and fantastic. They may not, but what are they thinking about this? And they're also, again mentioned resale. How easy is it going to be to sell this house in the future? If it's 17 years in and the roof is a 20-year roof, and they buy the house, they think they're going to live in the house for about 10 years and then sell it. Well, then they've got a roof expense coming up probably in four or five years to get it before they can sell it. Or they're going to cut some of their sales price because a savvy agent is going to have protect their buyer and negotiate a new roof out of the deal. I was able to negotiate a new roof for one of my buyers on a property last fall. It was an older property. It needed the roof and the seller agreed to replace the roof before the buyers purchased the property. It was a win for everybody, or at least a win for my buyers. The sellers got their house sold. Number four, size and layout. Does the size and layout of your home meet their need for life, for work, and for play? Does it provide comfort? Are there places where they can have privacy? If they've got teenagers, they want some privacy. But there may be some places that they need togetherness, a family room if they've got elementary kids, or get those teenagers out of the rooms for a game night. Can they do those things? Is there storage? Everybody wants more closet space. Unless you're a minimalist, and good for you if you are, my family's not. <laughs> so storage is a challenge for us. And size and layout does impact resale value. Is this going to be something that they're going to be easy for them to get rid of in the future if it, they do move and sell in the future? So meeting their needs about life, work, and play. We're going to talk about work again in just a moment. Number five, amenities and special features. This is one of my favorite areas. Comfort and convenience is part of that. What comforts and convenience are buyers looking for? What comforts and convenience does your property offer so you can highlight those to attract that buyer? If your house does not have a swimming pool, a buyer looking for a home with a swimming pool is not going to consider your home, more than likely. I have my buyers consider homes that work for them even if it doesn't have all the amenities because there might be margin left for them to add what they want. Add the nice outdoor kitchen. Add the pool. Can't build a golf course necessarily, so if golf is something they want, they're going to buy a house on a golf course. Fishing. <laughs> My wife and I bought a house with an acre and a half pond. We're the only ones that live on the property. The pond is over two pieces of property. No one lives on the other section of property. So I'm the only one that fishes most of the time. A few other people, friends of mine, stop by and will fish. But I love it. I get to get a hook wet almost every day. That's my smoke break, my margarita, my mojito, whatever it is. That's my release valve is getting to go out and cast a lure and get a hook wet, even if I don't catch anything. However, last couple of days, I caught two yesterday and one the day before. Didn't get a chance to fish today, or at least the day that I'm making this podcast, I didn't get a chance to fish. One of the things that my wife and I looked for when we were buying our home back in 2015 was high-speed internet. We happen to live in an area where not every part of our county is covered with high-speed internet. However, there is a move underway to make that happen. We're about three years into that process. I knew that I needed to be able to upload and download quickly, do some remote work from home and internet.
internet was key for me. Actually, where I'm at now, our internet was down for a month. We have an underground line. I was told that by one technician that the signal at the road was great. The signal where it comes up to the house to come in at that point, there was no signal. So they were going to have to put a new line in. It's taken forever to get all that stuff taken care of. Another technician came out on day 31, changed out one little bitty piece, said, you don't need a new line. It's great. Now I have really fast, high-speed internet. Again, faster than it's been in a long time. I'm grateful for that. Buyers are concerned about that. That's one of those amenities and special features that they have. Another one of those for comfort and convenience, another aspect of that is quality of life. Entertainment. Do they have space to entertain if that's who they are? If they have people over all the time? If they host a small group for church? Whatever it is, if they have training for work, are they going to be able to have space for those things? Some people are interested in their health. Do they have a, a gym that they can work out in their home or a pool where they can do laps? Cooking. What kind of kitchen do they have? Is it a really nice chef's kitchen that they have? Do they have an outdoor kitchen? Is there places for them to do gardening? I joked with my wife that maybe the five acres that we have are three and a half because we sold an acre and a half to my mom to build a home. But the three and a half acres, do we really want to build her a home? Do we need to keep living here at the age that we are? Why don't we sell our house, go buy a house in a 55 plus community, buy a house for my mom, buy a house for her mom, and we're all there together. And my wife said, you would not be happy there because you couldn't do any gardening and you couldn't do any fishing. I said, well, I just had to go buy a boat. I like that. Anyway, we're still here. Sign's not going up in the yard, at least not anytime soon. And I mentioned office earlier. You know, the number of Americans working from home tripled from 2019 to 2021. Go figure. We had some little bitty virus that wreaked havoc on our economy and the work environment, and it sent more people home. I've seen statistics anywhere from 26 to 36% of the workforce works from home, and more than that work from home at least one day a week. That's just the full-time people. It's expected right now. Now it's 27.6 million and it's expected to be 36.2 million by 2025. All that to say is that somebody looking for a three bedroom home and a two bath home for their family might now need a four bedroom home because they have to have a home office. Does your home have the ability to add that office? The office I'm in right now, I've only been in it for not even a week. I closed in a patio next to the garage, just right off our kitchen, that's given me access to my own office and recording studio. I was able to add that. I had an office in the third bedroom in the house, but my mom is living with us for a while until her house sells and we get her house built and she could use the second space. So here's my office outside now. That's the patio that really wasn't doing anything, but I have an office outside now. Buyers want to know, do they have the ability to do that? The size and the layout and the amenities and special features of your home has an impact on that. And it also, the number of workers working from home depends on the area of the country that you live in. I saw some statistics that at the height, Washington, D.C., over 50% were working from home. And of course, you know, in some areas it's 20 to 25% working from home. And those amenities and special features, do they increase the value of the home? You know, if you bought a home and it didn't have a pool and you wanted a pool and you paid $400,000 for the home, you put a $50,000 pool in, your home would not now be worth $450,000. It might be worth four hundred and fifteen dollars or four hundred and twenty. dollars but it's not going to be worth 450 A pool is not something you're going to get your money back out of. It's all about enjoyment. It's all about your health, providing fun for your kids and your family and your friends. That's what that's for. Will it increase the sale value of your home? Maybe a little bit, but it will also alienate people who don't want a pool. 
Whether you have a pool is entirely up to you or any other of these amenities and special features. But buyers want to know, is this feature going to possibly increase the value? All right, so we've talked about it already, the resale value of a home. How long do Americans live in their homes? From 1990 to 2005, the median length of home ownership, meaning half the people moved before and half the people lived in it longer, was six years. Six years. Half of Americans lived in their home for less than six years. The other half lived in their homes for more than six years. Homes that they bought. In 2010, that jumped up to eight years. In 2015, that jumped up to 11 years. And in 2020 and in 2021, it's 13 years. They're staying in their homes longer. And with the interest rates that we had back before summer of 2022, I expect they're going to stay in their homes even longer. The average length is eight years. What that means is that they're likely going to have to deal with some of those maintenance costs down the road. HVAC, roof, plumbing paint, if they have asphalt, sealing it or replacing it, if there's concrete, repairing cracks, mature trees, limbs coming down, all kinds of issues involved with that. But they are likely going to sell. So we want to know, what buyers want to know, is that are we going to be able to get our money back out of this easily? And with the appreciation that we saw in homes over the last couple of years, a home that you bought for $250,000 five years ago may have been worth $350,000 after the spike in home values across the country. We don't expect that to continue to happen through 2023 into the next few years. But when it comes down to buying this house, Yes, it's an immediate need. Yes, it fits a location that the buyer is interested in. It fits a price that's within their budget for their monthly payment and for their down payments and for their closing costs. It also has something to do with the condition of the home. Do they know if it's a fixer upper? Is it move-in ready that they just have to open up their boxes and unpack and they're there? Size and layout. Are the rooms far enough away? Are they big enough, enough storage? Can they add an office to it? How about any special features and amenities? All those things factor into now. But a savvy buyer is also thinking about later, down the road, when it comes time to sell, is this going to be easy to sell or difficult to sell? We don't know if they're going to be able to sell this home easily or have difficulty with it. Nobody knows what the future is going to be. But they're thinking about that when they're thinking about the now. That has an impact on the offer that they make, the price that they offer, all the details. You need to be aware of those factors. So get in the mind of a buyer so that you're prepared, so that you know when it is time to prepare, price, and promote your home that you've done so with a mind toward a potential buyer. Think about the person that you think is the best fit for your home. What are they going to be looking for and how do you attract them with what the home is like now and with the price that you've set for it. Hey, if you're not sure if you're ready to sell your house, check out readytosellscore.com. It'll show you several different aspects of selling your home and help you determine how ready you are to sell your home. Stick with me in the future for more podcasts on Get Me Ready to Sell. Hey, the next podcast that you're going to get from me is preparing your home. We've talked about those three things, prepare, price, and promote. Well, we're going to dive into preparing your home and what that looks like. Have a blessed day, and I look forward to serving you any way that I can.
Thanks for listening today. Make sure to check out the show notes page to get access to any links that I may have mentioned and an outline of this episode. Remember, you deserve confidence when it comes to selling your home. If you're already working with a real estate professional, they should be helping you get ready. If you're not, I'd be honored to have a brief conversation with you to see how I may be able to serve you even if you're not in my local market. In the meantime, there are three things that you can do to get yourself ready to sell your home. Number one is to visit readytosellscore.com Pick a few simple statements and determine how ready you already are so that you know what you need to work on to get ready to sell. Number two is download the tips for preparing your home to sell. That's one of the primary things that you need to focus on is getting your home ready. And number three, I've already mentioned it. Schedule a conversation for us to have about a 15-minute chat on how ready you already are or need to be to get your home sold, even if it's going to be a while. It's never too soon to begin getting ready to sell your home. And one other thing I hope you can help me with, leave a five-star review if you found this information helpful. That allows others just like you thinking about selling their homes to be able to find this podcast and get the help that they deserve to be confident when it comes to selling their home. Oh, and make sure to click the bell below so that you're the first to get notified on anything I put out about getting your home ready to sell. Have a blessed day.